Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski. Uh, he's known as the financial quarterback. He is a radio talk show host. He's a five-star wealth manager uh, at Jelinski, uh, and uh, his, his website is jelinski.com. Welcome to the show, Josh. Great to be with you, Jordan. You're one of my favorite all-time guests on the show. Great. You're, well, you're one of my favorites as well. And you always have an answer. I guess that's why you're the money answer man, right? Exactly. Exactly. Let's, for people who are not familiar thought, with you. You know, you know, that's one of these things that people say they are and they aren't, you know, like a promotional thing. You really have an answer for everything. I, lo- I love the your, your almanac, too, that you sent me. I st- Excellent. I use it Excellent. in my office. Yeah, I did the and Dictionary of Financial Terms, I think is what you're referring to. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, the Dictionary of Financial Terms. Great. All right, well, let's start with a little bit about you. For people who might not be familiar with you, just kind of give them your background a little bit and how you founded your own firm. Well, I actually was recruited out of seminary by a Wall Street headhunting firm in my early 20s. They actually went to seminaries because they figured you'd care You'd care about people, and if I could learn Greek and Hebrew in a summer, then I could learn financial stuff pretty quickly. So I went from seminary and had a different calling. I wanted to help people get their financial lives in order, educate them about their 401ks, IRAs. And what was interesting is I was recruited with the very same model that I use today. I found it fascinating that there were so many financial opinions out there. Everybody has an opinion, but how do you know what's right for you? And I was turned on to something uh, called the financial model. It's actually called the PS&G model, which we'll get to later, the protection, savings, and growth model. And I still use that to this day. I thought it was so simple and revolutionary because I think the biggest problem today is people have so many opinions, they don't know where to get started. So, so, so let's, I was recruited yeah. out of seminary, and then a um, uh, couple years later, somebody said I'd be good for radio, so I started my own radio show. And we started in a small local station called WOBM, which is a big station in the Monmouth and Ocean County region on the Jersey Shore. And then we moved over to New York Radio, WOR, WABC, iHeart, and now we're heard all over the place. So tell me a little bit about business. your clients. What kind of clients are you dealing with? Pre-retirees, retirees, younger people? Tell me a little bit about your client base and what kind of things you do for them. We have uh, retirees. Our, our first uh, range of clients were uh, what we would call the greatest generation that Tom Brokaw writes about. They were the the World War II veterans, and then we got their kids, the boomers, and now we're getting their kids, the Gen Xers and the millennials. So we, we really span across three or four generations. I, I, I started out with retirees and was actually named one of the top five finalists in the country back when I was 28 for the uh, Retirement Market Advisor. It used to be called Senior Market Advisor magazine until that became sort of a passe term to use. So we're, you know, we help people from, you know, 28 to 88, you know, and everywhere in between. So one big issue today for retirees who've accumulated a decent amount of capital is how to get income from that, because if they put their money in the bank, they're going to earn pretty much zero. If they go to long bonds, they've got capital risk. What do you tell people who want to produce regular safe income steady income off of their capital? Well, well, we think that you, you've got to be careful you don't get bitten by the yield shark. So you don't want to chase yield to the neglect of, of sound logic. I mean, there was just a some group in uh, Florida or somewhere that got in trouble because it ended up being the Ponzi scheme because seniors were chasing high yield 
and that there was some debacle there. So you got to be careful about what you're looking for. You don't want to chase yield to the neglect of sound reason. But we're doing a lot with what we call, um, you know, what, what one of my mentors called person A, person B. Bob Castellone wrote a book called Leap. And there's two choices that you have to make in retirement. And you can live and you can basically choose your path. One is you get to live on interest only, which is you have a big pot of money at the end of your working rainbow and you choose an interest rate. And you're sort of a slave then to the interest rate. So if you have a million dollars saved by the time you're retired and you're getting 5% interest, which is tough right now, that would, uh, it's tough right now to get it conservatively, that million would generate 50000 a year. So that was the old paradigm, uh, what, what Bob Castellone calls person A. And then you have what we call person B. And that person gets to spend down their principal and interest throughout their retirement because they've put together certain strategies that work well. And that could be spend downs, that could be pay downs. Think of it as if you have a million dollar account, if you're person A, you can have that million in an annuity. And that annuity might kick off 50000 a year. You know, there are all these types of annuities right now that offer income 5% for life, although you've got to read the fine print, beware of surrender charges, fees, etc. But you can do that in an immediate annuity. You could do that in a fixed annuity with an income rider for a low fee. But that's person A, meaning you're only relegated to your interest. But then what happens is you don't really have much growth either. So the nice thing about person B is you can actually choose to spend down certain assets. So if you think of it this way, if you're nearing retirement and you have that, you know, mythic million dollars, take half a million and spend that down over the next 10 years. You could you know, do short-term treasuries, you can do annuities, you can do whatever, you know, you want to do. Just make sure that bucket is more conservative than that other half a million. Because you have a 10-year time horizon, you can let that grow. And generally, if you have 10 years in the market, uh, you'll be able to make market-like returns. Uh, you know, the next couple of years, and people worry about market volatility now, but you want to have something that when your retirement income planning that is not uh, solely reliant on market returns. And I know you, you also look at, you know, and when we've had you on your show, you've talked about other income-oriented things that retirees can use. But I, I actually would tell people, take your nest egg and split it into a short-term strategy for maybe one to 10 years, and then another strategy in years. 11 through 20 of your retirement and beyond. So have a conservative bucket that you spend down and then have a more growth inflation hedge that you let grow. And some of the things that we've seen that, that I've, I found surprising was that if, if you go back for the 10-year returns uh, of the S&P, they might, be, they might average historically 7%. But if you go back to 1927 and you see small cap or small cap value as an asset class, that's average more like 10 or 11. So one of the things we, we've been toying with the idea is having 50% of one's nest egg completely out of the market, the client draining that bucket down, and then the other 10-year bucket being a little more aggressive than they would typically think. That way, they don't have to worry about that money for 10 years so they can have the time horizon of a 40-year-old or a 30-year-old. They don't need a time horizon of a retiree. So those are some things we're looking at doing uh, with, with clients, giving them a spend-down strategy. A lot of people think about accumulating but not living off of that money. And with so much risk right now in the high-yield world, uh, I would consider a spend-down strategy over just chasing yield. So basically you're saying people are worried about outliving their money. If they keep it all and spend it down and don't really have it growing because it's all in very conservative income-oriented vehicles at low yields today, 
they could run out of money. You have to have some of it put aside to grow the capital. So when you need it later, the capital is more to, to produce income. He's known as the financial quarterback uh, of Jelinski Advisory Group based in Toms River, New Jersey. His website, jelinski.com, and his phone number, 888-988-5674. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with Corporate Lending Solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski. He's known as the Financial Quarterback. He has a radio show called the Financial Quarterback Radio Show. He runs the Jelinski Advisory Group based in Toms River, New Jersey. Uh, His website is jelinski.com, and a phone number for his firm is 888-988-5674. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Great to be with you. So a bunch of different things we want to talk about. First of all, active versus passive money management. Now, you're a, research, a, a registered investment advisor, so you recommend other money managers. Is that correct? Yes, and, and, and we also manage a lot in-house as well. So w- what is the argument for active versus passive money management, and where do you come out? I come out, I mean, I think it depends on one's time horizon and stomach for risk. I think when people hire an active manager, they assume that they're trying to beat the market. I think you should hire an active manager if you want to lose to the market but have less volatility. There are a lot of strategies where you can have lower volatility, such as, you know, the last two weeks we've been experiencing – you may not make as much as the general index. I, I think active is good if you want more defense. 
Passive is okay if you're okay with a 40 or a 50 or 60% drawdown. Uh, it seems like every decade we have a period of uncertainty and unrest, like the 08 bear market, like the 2000 and 2002 bear market, like the bear market in the Asian market crisis in the early 90s, 1987. There was a whole period from about 1965 to 1982 where the market was flat. And active management does have its merits. You got to realize a lot of the passive people, and I'm not against passive. We have passive portfolios for our clients where we focus on, you know, rebalancing, picking out the proper asset classes. But the problem with passive I see right now is everybody's in it. And 20 years ago, very few people stuck with passive. So I believe there was oversized returns by a small subset of people, what I call the engineer factor. These are guys who wear pocket protectors and their flannel shirts when they come meet with me. They have kahunas of steel, and they're willing to sit with the market in a 40% law. But most people can't handle that, and that's why they should consider active management. But I don't mind, you know, if we were going back to that person A, person B thing, if you have half a million, you want it to be passive because you have a 10-year time horizon, that's fine. But I would think even with the research we've done into passive, passive only works when you have a lot of different asset classes in it. And active only works when advisors keep their fees low. Uh, so, I mean, active management also, you know, you could have good active management and bad active management. American funds, and they're in the active management game, they actually came out with a great white paper uh, in favor of active over passive. I think it's more of a both and not an either or. When we're with clients, we use what we call a core and a satellite approach. Your core equity holdings could be in more low-cost-based ETFs that are properly diversified, meaning you want to have an emerging market ETF, you want to have a, uh, an international small-cap value, you want to have small-cap value, you may want to look into China exposure, Europe, a U.S. large-cap equity ETF. That would be your core. But think of your satellites might be uh, buying you know, dogs of the Dow, looking at some value plays, like, you know, maybe you want to take uh, a calculated risk and buy, you know, Apple on the dip or, or some other stuff you've been waiting to buy. That would be your satellite. So I don't think it's so much an either or as a both end with active and passive. So we've had tremendous volatility the last two or three weeks after having a whole period of very low volatility. What has changed to make things more volatile, and how have your clients been dealing with it? I mean, in general, how should people deal when the market's up a thousand points, down a thousand points, you know, within hours, and just drives people crazy? Well, I think this is characteristic of late cycle behavior, which means basically that this bull market is getting long in the tooth now. I don't think this is the end of the bull market. If you look at the historical parallel, if you look at the NASDAQ in the late 90s, there were four or five negative 10% drawdown periods in one year. But that was the greatest year to be in the NASDAQ was the last year of the bull market. So this, this has a lot of parallels, this type of uh, volatile behavior. Also, some of the volatility is due to two things. One, the exchange-traded note that went bust last week by Credit Suisse, and then that caused a huge deal of concern in the markets. It's sort of overblown. It's only about a $4 billion fund, but it does represent a significant risk if you owned it. But generally, a lot of these firms like Fidelity and others, they're closing down these funds. They're not letting people buy them again. So hopefully, that will not turn into a systemic risk. It could, but uh, it may, may not be as big as the media is making out the scene. Two, so first, these volatility-based ETFs. And then second uh, reason for the potential volatility is we have this late-cycle bull market behavior, which is now mom and pop are getting back into the market in a frenzy. And so what happens, they get spooked. You know, the fear of rising interest rates. I mean, the Fed 
they are a concern. Could they tank the Trump rally, uh, you know, with all these quarter point raises uh, for years? We had, a, we had a policy of easy and cheap flowing money, low interest rates, which was great for the stock market. If we raise interest rates too aggressively, that could be a problem. Although if you look at historical parallels, that doesn't always equal higher interest rates is not always a bad thing for the markets. Uh, I've read different reports uh, by various people, and, and they seem to indicate that just because interest rates are raised, raise does not mean we're going to have a bear market. But I think the bear think market rates, should be caused by any number of things. Do you think interest rates, particularly long rates, which are up to about 2.9 on the 10-year Treasury, are going to go over 3% and significantly go higher? I mean, we know what the Fed Reserve is going to do pretty much, but long rates they don't really control. What is your outlook for long-term rates, and, and how would that affect the markets? Well, short-term, you could have a spike, and that would be problematic for the market. But but if, if one would follow the cycles, guys, and we look at fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and cyclical analysis when we're dealing with things, many of some of the top cycle analysts in the country are saying we actually could have a lower 30-year note. So they're, they're telling people to buy 30s right now um, in anticipation of a greater, you know, maybe turmoil um, Cyclically, if one follows the pure cycle, you know, like this is not a fundamental market, right? Value is out of favor. Uh, fundamental analysis is not, you know, necessarily working in this market. Uh, if, if one looks at historical parallels, and although history doesn't ever repeat itself, it sometimes does rhyme, you know, we could see, based on certain cycles I've seen from Lacey Hunt, uh, Stan Harley, and others, basically we could see the 30 go down. You know, meaning uh, a flattening I, of I the yield curve. The 30 go down. The yield on the 30 go down. But you're saying the flattening of the yield curve. Short term rates would go up, the Fed pushing rates, the 30 are going down. That's what you're talking about. It's the difference between the long yeah, and the short. As volatility narrowing. increases and people begin to flee to safety. You know, you're going to have certain people who are going to jump into this market because they want the last of the big rally. They want the melt up before the meltdown. Then you're going to see others, large institutions, insurance companies, which are really, you know, if you look at some of the biggest buyers of 30-year treasuries are generally life insurers that that back annuities and things like that. They may they may buy more of the 30 in anticipation for increased volatility. So you're saying the current market environment kind of reminds you, to some extent, of the late 90s when you had a blow-off in the NASDAQ and the market really had a big surge before it fell. Is that roughly where you're saying we're at now? I think so. I mean, I could see the market be bullish from here to about 2022 based on certain cycle trends that I've seen. But I could see this market will blow off from about now to late February – uh, if, if I was a betting man, then, then we'll probably resume the rally till somewhere around November. And November may be that significant, maybe even sharper correction. But I would watch for this month, and you know about this too, there are so many different money managers that use the 200-day moving average as a buy and a sell point. I mean big money, and they use it, and they have these models. And the models say, well, we're going to be in indexes, right? We're going to be in low-cost ETFs. But when the market falls below the 200-day moving average, we're going to go to cash. Or we're going to go to cash in this particular asset class. I think what's happening this week and may happen next week are those computer signals selling. I don't think necessarily it's the start of the bear market because last week market levels pushed to that 200-day moving average, that's a huge line in the sand for many of these computer models. If you saw Robo, uh, two of the biggest robo-advisors in the country, actually their websites crashed. So I think my big worry about the market is not so much these ETNs and ETPs, which are certainly very risky. Average people may want to avoid them. I think it's these computer-driven models based off indexes because we've never had so many people I don't know how many trillions of dollars are in indexes, 
But generally, the people who bought indexes 10 years ago never sold them. Now we're having yeah. large money management firms buy them, and they will sell them if it hits below a certain level. And that's, that's I think, that may be the real cause of all this drama the last week is computer triggers were switched, you know, almost like a flash crash part two. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski. He's known as the financial quarterback. Uh, he is the uh, he runs Jelinski Advisory Group based in Toms River, New Jersey. His website, jelinski.com, and the phone number at his firm is 888-988-5674. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski. He's known as the Financial Quarterback. He has a radio show uh, called The Financial Quarterback Show. Uh, he is the president of Jelinski Advisory Group, based in Toms River, New Jersey. Website, jelinski.com, and phone number for his firm, 888-988-5674. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Good to be with you. So one of the things that you've done is you are the top of the Million Dollar Roundtable, which is a group of people selling uh, life insurance. So I want to get a sense of you uh, for how much life insurance people should have and should they do traditional whole life or variable life or index universal life or term life? What should be a good mix uh, to make sure they're properly insured? I think that's a great question and one that the average financial magazine and, and financial media neglect. People are so inadequately insured today. If you're listening right now, I want you to stop everything and make sure you have enough to replace your income in term insurance before you do anything else. So if you're making 50 grand a year and you're 45 and plan on retiring at 65, you should have a minimum of a million 
dollars in a 20-year term. I would have that convertible with a good mutual company that has a dividend-paying participating whole life. Generally, I would avoid universal life. In some cases, let's say you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and you can't get approved for a good whole life because it's too costly, that's where index UL, if it's properly funded, would work, or universal life, sometimes estate planning cases. But generally speaking, you want to stick to term for income replacement and a good dividend-paying participating permanent policy for wealth building. That is a great conservative asset class. If I look at my own, you know, people ask me, what do you do for your, for your own money? People always ask me that. I say, before I did anything else, I bought a big fat term insurance policy to cover my income. And then when I started making enough money to put away a couple hundred bucks a month, I, I started converting that term to a whole life because as you're seeing this, I'm sure a lot of people need insurance when they're older and they don't realize it. Uh, too many people are buying long-term care insurance, but a good whole life policy will have a long-term care rider so you don't have to spend money on a long-term care policy when you're in your 60s or 70s. That's 10 grand a year plus, and they may jack your rate, and the company may not even be around. But a lot of these mutual insurers have been around for 100-plus years. They know how to manage very conservative balance sheets. So we like term for income replacement. You want to make sure you have enough, uh, what I call the 5% rule. If you have a million dollars of term, that's going to kick off 50 grand a year in income in a diversified portfolio. And if you use the 4% rule, 40 grand a year. If 40 grand is not going to be enough for you to live, if your spouse is gone, up at the 2 million, 2 million is going to get you 80 grand. 3 million is going to get you 120 grand. So you got to be careful. You know, you got to be careful with making sure you have the appropriate amount in term insurance before you do whole, but you want to also consider whole. Any other questions on that? So for the cash value part of your portfolio, after you've gotten the term, why did, is whole life better than index universal life? The proponents of index universal life say you have the participation of the stock market where you might cap out at 12%, but earn a much higher rate of return tax-free than you could ever earn with a whole life policy. Well, most of those people who push index universal life have not written hundreds of millions of dollars in index annuity premium like I have. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that these companies will change the caps. And, you know, index universal life is, and if, if for those of you who don't know what index universal life is, you put your money in, there's a cash value component, some of your interest or all of your interest that you earn is credited to you based upon the performance of an underlying index. For example, the S&P. It's not in the S&P, but your interest is linked to the S&P. So right now, many of these products are having lowered caps. So these products worked great when the caps were 21%, 17 Now some of the largest index universal life providers are saying we're going to have a 10.5% cap Jordan, if you ever do an enforced illustration on a 10.5% cap, if it's fully funded, guess what it looks just like? A whole life. What? A, uh-huh. a normally funded whole life or an overfunded whole life. But here's the problem. The minimum caps are 105 So every year, the insurance company is going to lower that 105 point cap to 10 and then to 95 And not only can they change the cap, they can also change the cost. And I have nothing against Index UL. I think there are a lot of good companies that sell it, but the problem is I don't think they've appropriately priced the product. So they're now having to revamp it and lower caps. Now, if you were doing an enforced illustration, if you were sold something based on a 14% cap, they change it to 10 and a half, how do you think that'll make you feel? And people say, well, 10 and a half is pretty good. Well, you're not making 10 and a half because there's insurance costs embedded into the policy. So I find that the normal whole life over time, although it may underperform an index universal life for the first five or 10 years of the contract, over time, 
the whole life company has less levers to change. They can only change the dividend. And generally, they can't change the premium, they can't change the death benefit, and they can't change the cost. So I'd rather have the insurance company to have one lever to change and not two or three. And that's basically, I don't trust the insurance companies with the caps. And I've seen what they've done with indexed annuity caps. They've lowered them. I mean, the average index annuity cap is three or four. And that's what will happen with the life insurance products. It's still a good product, meaning if you can't get approved for a good whole life and you get approved for a good index UL and it's overfunded, it could work. Um, it's just if, if I was to play serious money, which I do into my permanent policy, I don't put my money into index UL. I put it into a good dividend-paying company that's been around for 100-plus years. And most of the big... Bigger advisors do that with their own money. Why? Because they know that the companies can change the caps and the internal costs. Very yes. critical. Let's talk about, about Social Security, another part of the whole retirement equation. Um, sure. Social Security is going on. We have 10,000 people a day turning 65. Are you concerned about the future of Social Security? And what do you tell people who may be in their 40s or 50s about what they should be counting on when they retire in a few years? I think if you're in your 30s, and 40s, you need to be saving 15 to 20% of your gross income because you may or may not be able to count on Social Security. I think if you're 50 and over, you're probably safe due to the fact that the baby boomers are going to be the largest voting block in history. And because it's the me generation, they're not going to vote themselves a pay cut. However, if you've saved a lot of money, there, there may be means testing, which means basically if you make a certain amount, you know, if, if you've done well, if you've been a good, good little boy or girl and you save that 15 to 20 percent of your pay and you have a nice pot of gold at the end of your working rainbow, what's going to happen? They're going to probably cut your benefit. So I'm worried about that. And I think uh, broader term, I'm, I'm worried about rising income taxes Yes, we have tax reform, but if you think about it, the political pendulum tends to swing every seven or eight years, and we have, you know, eight years of Democratic rule, then eight years of Republican rule, then eight years of Democratic rule. But I'm worried that when we have a new regime, you know, seven years from now, that presidency will cause some type of higher tax on those of you who've saved a lot, your IRAs or 401ks. So I'm concerned that... uh, the, the Social Security problem will lead to an income tax problem because benefits will have to get cut on those who've saved, but on those who haven't saved, they're going to be so reliant on it that they're going to look for other ways to raise revenue, and where will they probably go to somebody's 401k or IRA because that's where the money is and raise taxes on 401k and IRA distributions because that's where the money is. So you're saying that changes coming to Social Security will be means testing will be one thing. Do you think they could raise the amount or maybe make it unlimited as the amount of your uh, your wages that get Social Security taxes withheld? What other changes? Because if they just keep going the way it is now. That's a horrible idea because as a small business owner, um, as I'm sure you you can attest, that's one of those things where if you're not a small business owner, it makes a lot of sense. Just lower the cap. But if you're a small business owner, I mean, I know for me, Social Security and FICA and all these things, I have to pay 15 cents of every dollar, not even counting federal income tax, not even counting state income tax, to my Social Security tax liability as a small business owner. That would be a crushing blow to small businesses. And, I mean, if you think about it, if you're paying 15 cents, on your Social Security tax. I think now it's up around 16 now, but let's call it 15. 39, uh, you know, now it's 37 and a half cents is your highest marginal rate. So if you get 37 and a half plus 15, and if you're in a high tax state like New York, New Jersey, California, wherever, and that's another 8.97 in state tax, and then if you have city tax, well, that's 61 cents on every dollar going to some government, not counting property taxes if you own your you know, real estate where your business is held. So, like, if I look at what I bring home, I bring home about 39 cents of every dollar, and it would be worse if they, 
lifted the ceiling. But that is something that will be very politically palatable because it will only hurt a very small minority of people. So I do think eventually that'll happen because people don't understand it. It's like uh, the Trump tax bill, great in certain ways, but very lousy in other ways where my small business got hurt because we're in the financial industry and professional services. So right. we have no benefit from the tax code, really. But other uh, people, after the, plumber, after the break, we're going to get into the tax bill. We're going to get into the tax bill after the break. So we're going to go to another break now. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski. Uh, he runs the Financial Quarterback uh, radio show, and his website is jelinski.com. Uh, he is the money manager at Jelinski Advisory Group based in Toms River, New Jersey. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Josh Jelinski, known as the Financial Quarterback. He has the Financial Quarterback radio show. He is a money manager at Jelinski Advisory Group based in Toms River, New Jersey. His website, jelinski.com. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Great to be with you again. So let's talk about the, the tax bill. So we had a major tax bill at the end of last year. It's some, there's some winners. There's some losers. Before we get to those specifically, overall, do you think it was a positive thing uh, for the economy at this stage of the economic cycle? I think it's great for the economy. Anytime you, you give more money back into the hands of taxpayers, I mean, people got to realize this is our money. <laughs> the government doesn't spend it well to begin with. But I mean, I don't think it went, I, I don't think it went far enough. I liked the 20% corporate rate, I think that will prop up the economy in ways that we haven't seen since the 80s and, and 90s. Uh, that could be very good for the stock market, as we've seen. You know, but much of it's already priced into the market the last you know, year and a half of anticipation for it. Um, I like it big picture. I love the corporate rate at 21%. I think it did not do enough for 
for about 50% of small businesses, but, you know, it's a step in the right direction, and I hope, like Reagan passed three, you know, he had three bites at the apple. This is President Trump's first bite. I hope he has bite two or three. Give me what I want. But, I mean, corporate, basically, this is great for corporations, good for people, middle class and lower incomes, probably lousier for high income and, and small business owners in certain areas. So what are some of the strategies that people should use? I mean, one of the things everybody's saying is they should create some kind of a pass-through entity, an LLC, limited partnership, subchapter S, to take advantage of that 20% deduction. What, what are some other strategies coming out of this tax bill that might be different from the way the world was before the bill? Yeah, number one, if you have a business, consider making yourself a, an S corporation or an LLC. What's nice about the S-Corp is you can pay yourself a salary and you will save on not only with this new Trump tax plan, 20% of your income will be excluded if you make 315000 or less, but also uh, the benefit of saving money in Social Security taxation. So create an S or an LLC. An S is actually preferable to an LLC. Sometimes your accountant will say, do an LLC. Well, you may have the wrong accountant because an S-Corp really saves you a lot of money on the Social Security taxation. Second thing, max out your 401k, IRA, TSP, or your tax-deferred vehicle. The reason why, and, and one of the things we've covered on the radio show, The Financial Quarterback, and with people who call me at 888-988-JOSH, and for any of your listeners who call our office at 888-988-JOSH, they can request, uh, a free Trump tax review where we'll model out, well, what does this tax plan mean to you? Because not even your accountant's doing this, because when you go to your accountant in March or April or right about now, they are doing your return still under the Obama code. So it's critical that you reevaluate <laughs> your tax strategies. And this plan preserves the benefit for 401ks and 457s, and it increases the standard deduction. So let's say you make, I don't know, let's say you make 100 grand a year. Your, your standard deduction is now increased if you're a married couple. So your, your, your first 24,000 of income is untaxed. So there is no tax at all on that. So if you're over 50 and you put another 24,000 in, you're not going to be taxed on your first 48000 of income. But, wait, there's more. If you're married and your spouse happens to be over 50, that's another 24000 So your first 72000 of income won't be taxed. Now, the problem will be you might have to live on twenty eight grand a year. But what's great about that is it preserves the benefit of the 401K but increases the deduction off the top. So it's great for people who are making, I would say, a hundred grand a year or less, even 150 grand a year or less. So do your 401k, do your 457. Also, if you're a small business, consider opening up a pension plan, either a profit sharing or a 401k or a defined benefit program where you can get a write-off of upwards of, depending on your age, upwards of 300 thousand dollars that you can take off of your income now you got to get the right actuarial help you got to get the right retirement plan advisor which is why we can help you determine if that's right for you but retirement plans are going to be huge with this plan because it'll drive your income lower now that brings me to my worry of all this if you're deferring too much Maybe you want to consider a Roth 401k for your, if you're a small business owner or a Roth 401k if you're an employee because then all that money that you're going to save, you can pull out with no taxes. So depending on your tax strategy, you, know, you may want to put money away after tax and have it grow tax-free in a Roth 401k been, or yeah. uh, what we talked about before, a cash value uh, permanent insurance policy. Life insurance, well. yes. Now, there's been a lot of complaints from the high-tax states, both high-income tax and high-property-tax states, that those now combined are $10,000 deductible, that that's really going to hurt New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, all those places. 
Has that been overdone, or is it going to have a major negative impact on those kind of high-tax states? Well, well, I wouldn't say Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania has like a 3 or 4% state income tax. So Pennsylvanians will really benefit uh, people maybe in Philadelphia proper, because they have that city tax will be hurt. Uh, for sure, New York, New Jersey, I mean, I, I'm getting hurt on this in two fronts. One, I'm a New Jersey resident. And two, I'm a small business owner in an exempted category. So if you're an electrician, a plumber, you work in the trades, there's this fantastic benefit where you don't pay tax on the first 20% of your income if you're a small business. It's a fantastic benefit. But in, in the rule, there is an exemption of those in professional services, which would include financial planners, uh, hedge fund people, financial advisors, insurance brokers, uh, accountants. Uh, basically, a lot of our successful businesses and successful small businesses. What's interesting to note is the architectural firms must have gotten to the present because they were exempted, and he must have had some architectural firms that he was affiliated with back when he was in real estate call him up. They were then allowed to take the 20% write-off. But there is a misnomer there. It, Regardless of what category of small business you are, so if you're in finance, you can still take the benefit if you make under 315 grand. But if you make over 315 grand, that's where you're hurt. So, yeah, we do think it hurts people in California, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, it hurts successful small businesses in the professional areas, but it's great if you're a small business and you make under 315 grand. Fantastic, actually. Very good. Terrific. Well, thanks. We covered an awful lot of ground. My guest this hour has been Josh Jelinski. He's known as the Financial Quarterback. You can hear his radio show on weekends called the Financial Quarterback Show. You can find out more about him at his website, jelinski.com, uh, or at his firm, Jelinski Advisory Group where the phone number is 888-988-5674, based in Toms River, New Jersey. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Josh. Great to be with you. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on Voice America Business. See you next